Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. It's your friendly neighborhood podcast, and we're not going to help solve a crime. Wait, what? We're not? We're not really equipped to do it. Says you. I've been marathoning Columbo for almost a year now. Oh, okay. Um, We're Antiques Freaks, and Ken will help you solve a crime. It's true. What antiques are we talking about this week? <laughs> well, I was actually going to talk about a platform for antiques. Do you want to talk about Craigslist and how to buy and sell antiques safely using it? I had no idea Craigslist was still online. It is, and I still use it quite a bit, and in part because of that reaction I got from you just now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, write it down. People are not using Craigslist as often. <laughs> write this down. For those of you who aren't aware, Craigslist is a classified advertisement website with separate sections dedicated to various topics such as jobs, housing, for sale items, wanted free services, gigs, resumes, and a variety of discussion forums that I can only describe as the worst idea possible. Yay! Seriously, don't use the discussion forums. I feel like that goes for most websites. It really does. I mean, unless it's a forum for a specific hobby or something, in which case it's probably safe. Even then. It was started by a gentleman by the name of Craig New. Mark as an email distribution list featuring local events in San Francisco as he had moved there recently and felt deeply alone. Wow. So like, uh, it's actually a really wholesome start to a pretty unwholesome thing in American culture these days. I was gonna say a pretty sad start, but yeah, we'll call it wholesome. But it wasn't sad because he used this to make friends and get people together and like get people in the know about stuff that was happening in a pretty active area. Have you ever been so lonely that you made a website? Write in. It takes for podcast at gmail.com. Well, no, it was, have you ever been so lonely you made an email distribution list? Oh, wow. Even less effort. The web-based service happened because it got extremely popular because people liked having an area where people would let you know when fun stuff was happening and where you could meet new people. So yeah, the user base got so huge that as an email distribution list, it was no longer working. And so he turned it into a website in 1996, where it expanded into various classified categories expanded into U.S. and Canada, and now actually covers about 70 countries. Well done, Craig. Yeah, Craig is no longer in charge of it, by the way, so, like, he is absolved from everything moving forward. We can't blame any of this on Craig. Yeah, like, what it would turn into is not Craig's fault. I might still blame Craig. Well, I mean, in as much as we blame people for their creations that go awry. Yeah, I'm blaming Craig. So yeah, Craigslist used to be an extremely popular place to buy and sell objects. And at one point, it was all kinds of objects. And it sort of established itself really solidly as a place to buy and sell antiques, especially like niche collector stuff. It might it would have been a great place for people to start. And because of its local aspect, a lot of the classified areas are separated by uh, geographic area, even just down to state. Because of that, it was and is still extremely popular for large items that are difficult to move by making it easier for you to find items that are within a certain number of miles drive from you, which gives it a significant edge for that kind of thing over something like eBay. eBay, where you don't realize you're buying from the UK until you notice that the shipping is suspiciously expensive. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good way to guarantee you're getting something local. As a result of that, over time, with so many other selling platforms having evolved, Craigslist has sort of shifted to be a more specific marketplace. It is no longer quite as easy to get things like clothes or small collectibles like action figures or trading cards and even small antiques like glassware and things like that. It's not impossible, but it is not really like the most present thing. Most present thing is, like I said, large items, cars and furniture objects. Furniture. Furniture. So let's say you've got some furniture that you would really like to not be in your house any longer and you don't have the scratch to get yourself a place at the local antique shop. Craig, come get this. Come pick this up. Craig, come fuck this chair. (laughs) 
But if you don't know how to start, let me help you. The first step is to do research. This is for buying or selling. This is the same across everything. You just kind of want to know roughly what the pricing and value is going to look like, but you should always focus on items that have sold. You will have to do this elsewhere because Craigslist does not keep listings past a week. Try not to spend an hour, more than an hour doing research for the sake of your sanity. It is easy to rabbit hole your ass all the way down. Just accept that you don't have the Stradivarius and get a rough price that makes you happy and will move and move on. So many problems in antiques could be solved if people would just accept that they didn't have a Stradivarius. I am with ev- literally everyone else in antiques where like if you say the word Stradivarius at me, I will roll my eyes at you. Even if you are saying that it is annoying that people are focusing on the Stradivarius. Like it is, it is a biological impulse to roll my eyes. <laughs> When you said roll my eyes, I thought you meant roll my eyes back into my head and start speaking in tongues because the devil has come over me because I'm so fucking sick of hearing about the goddamn Stradivarius. Um, you know, maybe. And maybe the devil is the one who has the Stradivarius. Oh, because he went down to Georgia. He went down to Georgia. He got the, like, that's what they don't tell you is that when he got a rematch and he beat the kid. (laughs) With that being said, Craigslist is a high negotiation space. It would be, I think, silly of you to go in, not silly necessarily, but it is not in your best interests to go in without expecting negotiation. Craigslist is all about fast, cheap sales. We're talking fast nickels, no slow dimes. Because the listing disappears after a week. Yeah. Stuff literally can't sit. It's true. It's not allowed. That being said, you should always price your item 10 to 30% higher than the lowest price you'll take to accommodate haggling. That way you can make sure you get the price you want and let the person feel like they're getting a good deal. It seems like it would be more efficient to just not haggle, but what would I know? (laughs) Like I said, that is just not going to happen on Craigslist. One of the things you're going to have to deal with in addition to like just the existence of haggling is that people are going to offer you insultingly low prices and you you just kind of cannot get in your dander about it. You just have to say no and move on because it will happen and it will happen. There will be way more insultingly low offers than there will be serious sales inquiries. Sorry to say. That is a warning for if you're using this platform, like that is kind of what you're looking at. I consider Craigslist a more of a get it out of my house than a soluble making money move. I see. Personally, but there are people who still use Craigslist for income. They are just, they have more space than me, basically. Physically, mentally, emotionally. They have all that space. They just have the space in their heart for Craigslist. I would also say really seriously reconsider anything that you are considering like very rare, very special, or very high ticket. Let's say you do have the Stradivarius. Craigslist is not the place to sell it. No, because you're going to show up to the meetup spot. You're just going to get hit over the head with a club and it's going to be stolen from you. Yeah. Problem number one is that the higher a sales price goes, the less safe it gets. And I'm not saying there's no way to facilitate a safe sale at a price point over $100, but the level of security you have to be using is going to go up dramatically. So by the time you are hitting like very real money, like $1,000, you are looking at extremely high chance of just getting robbed. Yep. A second Secondary to that, people are not shopping that way for it. They see high prices and they just move on. Craigslist is a place people are going for deals. But I mean, mostly I just would prefer you not get shot over a ring. Or anything, really. We hear it at Teak Weeks, we prefer you not get shot. Yeah, over anything. Some general tips are make your title make fucking sense. <laughs> Seems common knowledge, but boy, go on Craigslist for five minutes and you tell me if a lot of people didn't miss that tip. Oh, you know. You mention any applicable branding, the color, roughly the size, and I'm not saying dimensions, you'll put that in the main listing, but you can say large, small, and what it is. For example, Ethan Allen, large, white, buffet. Get a good clip to let people know exactly what they're going to be looking at. Craigslist really is the only appropriate venue for Ethan Allen. It is, and people will pay decent money for used Ethan Allen because people like the look of it. 
when I'm using the phrase decent very intentionally, you are not getting full price. Give up. Another important thing that seems to have skipped a lot of people is getting pictures. You don't have to have a lot. I'd say three as a stable, but ideally as many as there are sides to the piece to show. So you want, you know, front, back, left side, right side, at the least. And we don't need any blurry Bigfoot sighting pictures either. Like, please, please have the object in focus. Please have a light on. Absolutely. Please have a light on. Make sure your phone camera isn't total ass trash and get a selfie ring light and you'll probably be okay. Because like, it doesn't have to be professional. It just has to be clear and obvious what the person is looking at. We have to be able to tell what we're seeing. Unless it is in addition to photos of the item itself, do not use stock photos. That's deceptive. It's extremely deceptive. Because that's not the item you're selling. It's extremely deceptive. It's tied to a lot of extremely common scams. People will assume that you're running a scam if the front photos or all of the photos are all stock photos. I have occasionally used a stock photo for a complicated piece of technology. I'll just sort of grab the picture of the stock photo where it lists the specs, assuming they haven't changed. And that is in addition to photos of the actual item. I do this with fish tanks. But yeah, it's the first pictures have to be pictures you took. Get a cheap white box, get a selfie light, and, you know, clear out the garbage in front of it. Like, you don't have to stage it, but it should be clean. <laughs> also... If you're selling a mirror or an object with any reflective surface on it, <laughs> put pants on. Please wear clothes while taking the photo. Please. A pair of shorts and a tank top is the minimum, my friends. Make sure you post the price in the ad at the front of the body of the text and at the very end of the ad in bold. People are bad at reading, and you will need to repeat yourself. And even with that, you're going to get some dumb questions. Because you're on the internet, and that's mostly what it is. Yeah, you're on the internet. It is two things. It is dumb questions and no reading comprehension. Most important thing from a person who really enjoys scanning Craigslist, for the love of God, please delete your post when you're done. Oh. Craigslist does auto-delete after a period of two weeks. You know, you can opt to refresh the ad if it hasn't sold yet. Um, there is literally nothing more frustrating than a hot item that sold the same day and the post is up for a week and I spend my time asking you and annoying you and you have to be like, no, it's sold. And I'm like, well, why didn't you pull the post? It's one button. Is this because Craigslist is just a want ad and doesn't have any like built-in shop front aspects? Like you're not exchanging money directly through the site itself. You are saying something is for sale and then exchanging money in person or through a third party app separate from Craigslist? Yes. So there's no way for Craigslist to know that something has sold unless you tell it this is no longer available. Yeah, it is entirely user-driven. You are responsible for making sure people know it's sold. Well, And again, it couldn't be easier. It is one button. There's a delete button on the post. Just do it. If you can't figure that out, put sold in the title. <laughs> there are so many options. Like you can, I swear to God, you can make this right. <laughs> I like imagining the person who can't figure out where the delete button is, but who can't figure out how to edit the title. <laughs> Good, they did figure out that part. Listen, it's possible. It's almost likely. Please do one of those two things. It's so annoying. Now this leads into tips on buying. And my number one tip is everything as fast as you can. Everything as fast as you can. Set it up for the earliest possible pickup. Arrive as close to on time as you can. Stay in contact with the seller. 
even if other people are lined up, stay in contact. It's, if it's not a huge drive, go anyway. People bail all the time. In fact, people bailing on items is one of the bigger problems. So if you're the one guy who pulls through and actually turns his car up, you are getting that item, my friend. So even on items that other people have offered on and perhaps claimed they will buy, you should still go to the meetup point anyway, just in case that person has fucked up and not shown up because they likely have. With permission, don't just show up and freak the sellers out. Yeah. I have never had a problem asking if it's okay if I turn up in case they dropped out. So the important part of this is not just the showing up, but also telling the seller you intend to do this and also asking if it's okay that you do this. Yeah, yeah. I promise you it will not be a big deal to just say, hey, just in case this guy drops out, I'm very interested. Is it okay if I turn up? And I will buy it off of you if he does not show up. And most people are totally psyched about that because that doubles their chance that this thing will be out of their life and money will be in their hands. Yay! But you have to ask because a lot of times this is happening in their homes or just even just public areas. They will be nervous. Don't just turn up. It's so weird. (laughs) Ask first. They are people. They're not scary. And you're gonna have to start working with your social anxiety on this. Sounds fake, but okay. I know it's hard. I have it too. But having the reward at the end is a huge motivator. Getting a sick Ethan Allen trunk out of the deal makes it all worthwhile. Sick Ethan Allen. You can get nice things. It's because I said Ethan Allen. I know, but I feel like most of what I see on Craigslist is furniture that people regret buying. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I'm that guy too. Like, I definitely bought a thing at Ikea that I was like, hell yeah. And then I got it home and I was like, oh God. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? Yeah. Try not to limit yourself just to your general neighborhood. It is extremely beneficial to just get ready to drive, bitch. Shut up and drive. Shut up and drive, drive. Depending on where you are at, this is probably more New England than in the down south. There are a lot of things up here where within 30 minutes I can pass like 10 towns that I did not know existed. And your region might be different. There might not be anything 30 minutes from you. Hello, Montana. I've been driving for six hours and I can't escape this state. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously this depends on where you're at. But if you are in like a really tightly packed urban sort of area, just decide on how long you're comfortable driving and branch out. For me, that is as soon as 30 minutes gets me right outside of Boston, I won't go any farther than that because it's extremely annoying. That's less about the distance and time you're going and more about, oh God, I'm almost touching Boston. Yeah, that's about the traffic that will just sort of start swarming you and beating you to death with a baseball bat the second you get in that area. Yeah. Shout out to all of our Boston listeners. Because I will go like an hour towards Rhode Island because it's just less annoying to drive through. I would rather drive two hours through the Connecticut wilderness than drive for 15 minutes in Boston. Yeah, I actually do have a little map on my desktop where I have my hunt area. I don't know if that's like unhinged. It is fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it makes you a fun guy. You know, it's basically boast. It's mainly, mainly boast. Holy shit. Mainly boast. <laughs> it's mainly based off of places I've already been and how frustrated I was getting to them. That's very funny. I love this map. It's really, it, it's so useful because sometimes I see an item that's great and I'm trying to talk myself into like, whatever, it's just an hour and a half. It's not that bad. But then I look at my map and I remember being somewhere close to it and I say, no, that's way too close to fucking Springfield. I'm not doing it. Oh God. Exactly. Because it's easy to forget what it's like to be in that moment. So like for me, the map prompts my memory to like, how happy will you really be at the end of this trip? Which is a really important question to ask yourself. Shout out to all of our Springfield listeners. Yeah. Shout out. We're so sorry about your traffic. We love you. We're not going there. (laughs)
Another thing is to know helpful keywords. Now, logic is not a thing that you can apply to Craigslist if you haven't gotten that hint yet. Interesting. You might not get any results if you type in mission style couch. Because the people who are selling these couches probably don't know that they're mission style. They just know that they don't like it and they want it out of their house. Yeah, a lot of people buy these things just on site. And so they're not super invested in what it's called, how old it is, what brand it is. And as a result, they're not labeling it that way when they're selling it. When I see a mission style couch, it's on site. When I see a mission style couch, oh, you know it's on site, homeboy. So try to consider how you describe that item if you've just seen it for the first time. I feel like I don't need to say this, but I will say it. Unidentified identified items tend to be kind of cheap. You know, a mission style couch in an antique store might be pretty pricey, but a mission style couch that someone just bought at a yard sale because they liked it is probably going to be much closer to what they paid for it. True. So I do really say try to consider, picture the item in your mind and think about how you would describe it without having the dialogue to describe it. For example, if you're looking for a nightstand and you know what you want as a nightstand, you are going to type in, in addition, side table, bedside table, accent table, hallway table, small table, small table, end table. Every way you might describe a nightstand to an alien. Small table that goes by bed. (laughs) Pretend you've just emerged from the woods after being raised by a pack of very (laughs) antiques forward wolves. Exactly. Try to expand your search criteria to include all related keywords. So you'll want bedside, side, accent, and small, in addition to night and stand. (laughs) This part, I think, is the thing that daunts people the most when they're, like, actively hunting. I disagree. I think it's the most fun part. It is the most that makes me feel like a wild cat closing in on its prey. If you're looking for a chamber pot, consider also typing in gravy boat. I'm not kidding. If you type in soup terrine, one third of the what you get will be a chamber pot. For more on that, check out our chamber pots episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, think keeping in mind common mistakes and misidentifications can be helpful because like that is a real tactic to find a chamber pot. So unusually deep and round soup terrine. <laughs> With only one handle for some some reason. <laughs> With one handle. For when you have to double fist your soup terrains, I guess. Another thing to keep in mind is people who use descriptors that are brands to attract buyers. And that won't necessarily, if you're a label hunter, they might not actually be those things. They might say like West Elm chair and what they're selling is an Amazon knockoff of a West Elm chair. If that. Which like, yeah, at that point, there's already so much deception that I would not want to partake in that sale unless you're absolutely in love with it. In which case, just make it clear that you know it is not West Elm. And get ready for them to get mad about that. And get ready for them to get mad about that. Yeah. All the negotiation has to happen before you show up. Do not step your feet out of the fucking car unless you have agreed on the price that will be paid. Correct. People actually do turn up a lot thinking that they can wheel and deal in the moment. No. That's a good way to get kicked off of someone's property. (laughs) You have to make absolutely sure that both you and the seller are completely clear on the deal before you go. And that might take the place of a sentence in which you say, okay, just for clarity, I will be turning up at Friday at three and I will be paying $50 for this chair. And they can say yes or no. This sounds so much like I'm like dunking on people. It's hard to communicate and we're all busy. So explaining this like you might to a feral man in the woods is very helpful. Break down to brass tacks, bare bones, and make sure everyone has all the information laid out the way they need. When I encounter a feral man in the woods, the first thing I tell him is that I will be showing up on Wednesday at 10 a.m. with $50 to buy this chair. (laughs) Exactly so. Another fun fact is if the post is a week old and they confirm it has not been purchased yet, make them a lower offer. Prey on their desperation, is what I always say. Oh, 
down. Subscribe to the RSS feed for popular search terms of things that you like to buy. Are you really into tables? Subscribe to the RSS feed for old table. Now, for those of us who are Victorian ghosts, what's an RSS feed? I actually don't know how they work, but when you click and subscribe to it, it sends you emails that lets you know when a new thing pops up. There we go. That sounds handy. As they pop up, it'll turn up in your email, and that way you can get first dibs on things, which is great in a fast-paced selling environment like Craigslist. Yay! You can filter your searches for dealer or non-dealer. Dealers are people who have shops, generally, or this is more common with cars, so it'll be like a dealership selling a dealer car. But it will do with like furniture and some higher-end items. You can do that. It is certainly more stable and safe. But furniture by owner is where the real deals are at. Because a lot of people have stuff that they want out of their house very quickly, either because it's ugly and they don't want it, or they're moving, or they're trying to rearrange the interior. Yeah. Some of these people have full knowledge of, like, what the item would be worth. They just don't want to deal with it, and cheaper is faster. Whereas a dealer in furniture probably has a warehouse to store the furniture until it sells. Yeah. So they can play the waiting game. Precisely so. Thank you, Ken. And my suggestions for literally all buying, Craigslist or not, don't fall for a sob story. And by that, I mean, I don't care how pretty and sad it looks. Know your limits for repairing and refreshing items. Know your space. Know your budget. Don't get in over your head and only buy things that you are truly happy living with if they don't sell. Solid advice, regardless of platform. Yep. Craigslist is the most tempting, I think, because a lot of times I will see free furniture that needs a lot of fixing. And I will say to myself, aw, I want to take it home and make it good again. But then I have to stop and say, do I really have the time and energy to deal with this right now? And if the answer is no, leave it to someone who does. Make it someone else's problem. The golden phrase for me is this is someone else's headache. Perhaps the most important part of buying and selling on Craigslist. Don't get murdered. Very important. Key step. That's it. I can't help you with that. <laughs> Just don't do it. No, I'm sorry. This is one of the elements of why you want everything to be extremely clear before you agree to meet. And I mean like crystal clear. Also, hey, don't meet up after dark. Don't do that. I've met some people who say that, that it isn't possible to not meet up in daytime. It is. Find a way. Don't do anything after dark, please. I actually found a couple of people who were suggesting like, oh, if it's not possible to meet during daytime, just make sure you turn on your property lights. Uh, yeah. Super don't invite them to your house after dark. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn on the property lights so the murderer has a good view of what he's stabbing. Yeah, where in your house he's going to go as soon as you uh, call off the deal and go back in. Like, again, these aren't common occurrences, but the risk is too high to fuck around with. Like, I don't want to scare anyone. That is not the point. I do. I want you to be very cautious. I want you to be realistically cautious. You are exchanging money with a stranger, and every word of that should make you a little nervous. You're exchanging cash with a stranger, typically. Yeah. Which means there's no record of the transaction and no way for anyone to track down your murderer. So that's actually one of my tips is I only do cash in very specific circumstances. At this point, Cash App and Venmo are ubiquitous in Enough that that is how I will make sure the deal goes down. Nice. I like to have a record and I like to make sure that nobody has anything valuable on them except the item at the time. So they have the money, they can watch me put the money in their account digitally and they can hand me the item and that is the safest way to do things. I'll do cash for small items and those are small items that I meet up at a police station to exchange. A lot of police stations actually have specific areas for doing Craigslist deals, and even the ones that don't are usually fine with you just kind of turning up as long as it's not super tiny. Here's the thing, I 100% of the time, especially the higher the number goes, suggest meeting at a police station because their response will tell you a lot about how safe they are. There have been deals where we did not end up meeting in the police station. We met at, you know, a park or somewhere populated during the daytime. But I suggested the police station first because I wanted to make sure they were okay with that idea. Because if they're not, that's not a good sign. 
and like, I mean, that's not saying if they say, God, the police station is like four miles from my house. Is that like, can you do something else? Use your best judgment. I still wouldn't. I would say, nope, tables aren't worth this. And I would leave. Yeah, it's kind of like letting a guy wait for a day before you respond to him on OkCupid to see if he freaks out. Yeah. The guys who send you a message at midnight when you've already fallen asleep and then at 2 a.m. just start spewing vitriol because you haven't woken up to respond to their horny 1 a.m. text. Yeah. Specifically getting angry at you for thinking he was short when you've already clarified that you're four inches shorter than him. You can't possibly be asleep. This is because I'm short. It's because you're short. It's not because I fell asleep at 11 p.m. on a work night. Yeah, you always want to plan the details in advance, not only because it just makes things simpler and you won't lose the sale, but also because when money and people's time are involved, getting angry is a thing and angry people are dangerous people. When you have everything hammered out ahead of time, everything can go much more smoothly. No one gets any surprises and no one has to get angry. Always get the buyer's full name and cell phone number prior to a meeting and the address of wherever you are meeting them. Text them an hour in advance to make sure they're coming. If you are going alone, or if you're only going with one other person, send a message to someone you trust with a set amount of time that you will respond to them in, so that if that time lapses, they can check in with you, and if you do not respond, they can call police, and make sure you let them have the person's name, number, and address where you're meeting them. Again, a lot like OkCupid. Yes. I go on a date. I text my friends, hey, here's his profile pic. If you don't hear from me this evening, you know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I've done a lot of like alone meeting meetups like that pretty safely. I don't want to say don't meet people at their house because it's something I've done pretty successfully, but it has always been a block away at my car in the daytime with my friends on call if anything goes wrong. Those were all small money exchanges. I've never done that for anything larger than $20. But for the most part, what you want is a public meeting. I don't want to say no houses because that could get like really questionable if you're doing furniture because you can't really ask people to get like a bedroom set and bring it to the YMCA. Yeah. At which point you just want to make sure you have a homie, daylight, and all of that information I just said and someone to call if things go really south that they have that information as well. Might sound like overkill. It really isn't. That is basic safety. I'm sorry if it sounds overwhelming. Welcome to basic internet meetup safety. Here's one that people forget about, especially for sellers. If you're taking photos and you're using a smartphone, you're going to have to strip the EXIF metadata from that. Yep. There are apps online, EXIF metadata viewers, that will help you delete that information before you upload it. Basically, just don't upload anything straight from your smartphone unless you have specifically disabled it attaching GPS geotag information to the photos. Craigslist does not remove geotags, so make sure you strip all that metadata. It can be used to do things to you that are unpleasant, even just virtually. Use a proxy email. Craigslist provides one. Always use it. Don't give them your regular email. You can use Google Voice to set up a proxy text reception so that they can't have your actual phone number. This is extremely handy. You could select a different phone number and still accept calls and texts on your device. Like I said, never go alone past certain price points. If the trade is exceeding $75, you are in the danger zone and you should not be alone. Get one of those alert apps. They have the apps for sadly women walking home alone at night where you can keep your thumb on a button and when you remove your thumb, it sends a request for 911 text to a trusted advisor or directly to 911. That can be really great, even just for your sense of safety. Try to focus on Venmo and Cash App if they are amenable, if they're not too old. Never fuck with checks, money orders, or any extremely complicated method of receiving money that isn't cash. And don't use cash in large quantities. If you are, like, buying a car on Craigslist, don't buy it in cash. Holy shit. What's wrong with it? But I'm getting such a good deal. Um, that person is a criminal. I don't know how to tell you that. Like, 
If it's too good to be true, it is. And if you feel even a little bit weird, give up, go home, nothing's worth it. Like, there's nothing that's worth putting yourself in danger. And your body is pretty good at sensing these things unless you have crippling anxiety, in which case, I don't have to tell you that, you already know. Try to avoid scams. This is the biggest fucking problem and why I wouldn't mess with any high-ticket item on Craigslist. One of the most common ones is sending a proof of payment and saying the funds will clear in a day or so. Those proof of payments are photoshopped. You will give the item away thinking you have the money and you will never receive the money because that is a photoshopped proof of payment. Anything that requires to run a credit check on you, that is to steal your personal information. Don't do that. Avoid any generic photos. They are probably just going to send you a box with nothing in it. If they're requesting you use PayPal, which is perfectly fine under normal situations, but send you a link to sign up for PayPal, that's a phishing scam. Don't click it. Any listing where you are seeing lots and lots and lots of very similar listings where everything is misspelled, that's a scam. Don't wire money to fucking anyone. Scams always tend to be too good to be truths mixed with strange requests like sign up for this service. And I think that is a good guide to being safe on Craigslist. I hope you guys consider taking Craigslist into your heart as a method of finding things, but I also hope that you are safe, as safe as I am, or even safer. Always trust your gut. If you feel bad, leave. You can just leave. I've done it. I've never once regretted it. And happy hunting. Yay! Get a Honda Fit. It's the best car for hunting for stuff on Craigslist, because you can fit stuff in it. You won't believe what you can fit in a fit. <laughs> Look forward to our series, Will It Fit, where we try to put stuff in my Honda Fit. Spoiler alert, it always fits, because you won't believe what you can fit in a Honda Fit. Honda, please hire us. Yeah, Honda, we've been doing this for free for so long, please set us a little uh, chunky cashy. Thank you. Sources for today include ADT.com, Craigslist Safety, News.IWantCollectibles.com, Craigslist Resources, StyleByEmilyHenderson.com, Secrets of Shopping for Vintage on Craigslist, and me and my long time buying and selling things on Craigslist. In Wikipedia. Blessed Wikipedia. Donate, won't you? Thank you. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. Or you can hit up our Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you want to share your general safety tips for how you live your life, don't do that. And instead, scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review about how much you liked us. And if you would like to purchase a variety of vintage and antique goods and stickers and t-shirts with the podcast logo on them from somewhere other than Craigslist, somewhere, dare I I say much safer than Craigslist, check out our Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash antiquesfreaks. And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week and hey, you want to get into the spooky season mood, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks where week by week we are reading or reviewing a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful, Varney the Vampire, or the Feast of Blood. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye. <laughs>